Witch Fest is not over. Welcome to another edition of the Winner Winner PUBG podcast. My name is Arjuna. I'm one of your co-hosts and joining me today is... Was that Arjuna? That was... I've never heard that voice. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know you had that in you. And this is Robin, the other guy. Welcome back. We are cracking open a brewski and digging deep for our demonic voices today to bring you another episode of the Winner Winner PUBG podcast. This is a fun episode today. We are going to be talking about our community mailbag. So Mm. we asked, you listened, you asked, we're going to listen and respond to your (laughs) questions. So that's pretty exciting. This is exciting. Actually, this is, usually it's just you and me brainstorming and coming up with things to talk about. Yeah. Even when we don't always feel like we have things to talk about. Yeah, agreed. And this is exciting. This is the most excited I've been about an episode in a while. So It feels new again, Robin. It's so new. <laughs> Community engagement. We're refreshing our relationship, <laughs> taking it to the next level. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to go to the next level with you guys today. Let's just jump in, man. Before we get ahead of ourselves, I wanted to thank a new patron, Jordan. 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 Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jordan. Got your own theme song. Uh-huh. Not a very creative theme song, <laughs> but you know, we're getting there. We're working on it. Yeah, we are. We're, we're a homebrew production here. Uh-huh. So thanks, Jordan. You rock. We're going to skip our Patreon question of the week because this week everyone is a patron and they get to ask their questions VIP. Mm-hmm. So, Robin, what is happening at the moment in the world of Battle Royale and PUBG? Let's see. I woke up this morning. I can't remember if the BF5 trailer came out today. I think it was. Mm. So, yeah, big deal. Like most Americans, I'm addicted to my phone and I wake up and I turn off the alarm and then I go to my newsfeed and the first thing I saw was Wacky Jackie patch. It's like, oh, that sounds important. I'm like half asleep. I like click on a couple of like blue text underlined things. And then there's a video in front of me. And Wacky Jackie's talking about this new patch. It's patch 20 for the PC. And that's pretty huge. So I watched a little video about that. And there's actually quite a lot to cover. So that's really like the first section of the current events, which we want to cover in, in some amount of depth here, um, just because there's some really good stuff in it. And I was surprised to see it because we just had a patch. We just had patch 19 and the announcement of the fixed PUBG stuff. And it it's like the pace is, pace is good right yeah. now in the PUBG world. It's so. true. We, we were kind of like bitching about that. We were talking about how like it seemed like they weren't really working on anything. Yeah. So it's cool. A <laughs> <laughs> little leftover from that intro there. Yeah, I think that... The PGI probably took up a lot of steam, so... Yeah. Now we're past it. So, yeah, they, they do seem like they're doing these quality of life updates and stuff like that, which is awesome. So, do you want to... Let's just pick out a few highlights here. All right. First things first, new weapon. New weapon, man. Yep. There's a new AR. It's a 7.62 assault rifle. It looks pretty cool. Wacky Jackie demoed it this morning. 
for me, exclusive, and it's higher fire rate, and according to the notes, lower damage. Right. But those two balance out to actually offer higher damage per second, and it's more controllable, has less recoil. So to me, this is just leaving the AK in the dust, and yeah. it's available on all maps. So I don't know why I would use the AK ever again. I kind of like it. It's got a charm. It's got a challenge. It's like a wild horse that you want to tame. Yeah. But if you don't have to tame it, then you can just, you know, why why tame it when you can use the M762? The, it's called the barrel M762. And you might think I'm saying barrel like barrel of a gun, but it's actually a name. It's B-E-R. It's like your grandma. B-E-R-Y-L. Yeah. It says it is a modern Polish assault rifle. Right. That so. is a, tr- a, a quasi-true statement. <laughs> okay. It's actually, in this case, it's kind of a fictional rendition of the rifle. I just oh, okay. I, d- I looked up the Wikipedia quick to see what they were talking about, and I think that's why they added the M762 at the end of the barrel name, because the actual barrel rifle that's issued to the Polish military is chambered in 5.56 oh, okay. as a NATO round. And so... They're game developers, and they wanted another 7.62 rifle, so they fucking made it a 7.62, because they can. Good job. <laughs> there you go. As if there weren't, like, other modern 7.62 assault rifles in the world, you know? I wonder. I honestly don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, this is kind of... It just looks like this is exactly what people speculated it would be. It's like the M4 of the 7.62 lineup, and... That's got everyone excited. So it takes all the attachments, you know, it takes muddle, muzzle, front rail, mag, butt, and sight attachments. Not stock. Oh, not, st- not oh, it stock. doesn't have a stock? Nope. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Why doesn't it have a stock? It doesn't take attack stock? Nope. Fail. I know. Fail. Yeah, okay. Well, that's kind of disappointing. Yeah. But, okay, well, you know, hey, let's be honest, the tax stock never did shit anyway. So It does, though. Uh, <laughs> it does now. Faster ADS. And I think it might do something to Weapons Way. I can't remember. But okay. it does do slightly faster ADS. So if you have a vector, definitely put that thing on there. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, yeah, this is really cool. I don't know how accurate these numbers are in the wiki. The wiki is just kind of an inscrutable Pandora's box of stats is what I'm kind of coming to discover here. But I'm going to go ahead and guess that this does, based on the listing of body damage parameters, I'm going to guess that this weapon does 47 damage per bullet. Right. And that's compared to the AK's 49 per bullet. Mm-hmm. And also, just to give you a reference, the DP does 51 per bullet. So that's kind of the range of 762 mm-hmm. damage. So, so this is, in other words, the least damaging 762 weapon, mm-hmm. but it's also the most controllable rapid fire 762 weapon. And it seems to be on par with control with the M4, which is extremely controllable. Yeah. And offers five points less in base damage at 42. So, to me, this is easily, from the stats and from what I've seen with the control, granted it was Wacky Jackie doing the demo and he has great recoil control. Yeah. But from what I'm seeing, this is hands down an easy pick for assault rifle. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, that's my guess too. It's in all maps. Like I, If it's going to perform the way I think, 
there isn't a reason to use another assault rifle right now. Right. I mean, okay, well, let's let's temper that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the bullet speed's going to be slower, right? So that's one thing. Apparently, it has a 7.15 millisecond bullet speed, which when you compare that to something like the M16, for example, or okay, the, that's you a know, good point. all the 5.56 assault rifles have a much faster bullet speed. So, I, you know, this is definitely kind of like the AK. It shines at close to mid-range. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, having said that, you know, it's still still serviceable at long range. So... That's a thing to consider. Yeah, I forget how low the bullet speed is on these 7.62 rifles. Yeah, it's a it's a factor for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of like your full auto primary weapon, I think it's going to be a favorite at least for a while, or at least until it gets nerfed. Mm-hmm. We'll need some time to actually play with it to really come to that conclusion or not, but I think everyone's pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten my hands on this weapon yet, I'm guessing, my initial guess is that it's going to handle a little bit like the SCAR used to. Not as well as a really dialed M4, mm-hmm. but definitely not as wily as an AK. Yeah. So that's my initial guess, but we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to try it out. I'm stoked. Yeah. Yep. Give old Barrel a call. <laughs> Take her out for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what else is coming in this patch? Yeah, scroll down there. What do we got? The So they're putting a scooter on Sandhawk and they're actually taking out motorcycles. So this is kind of a thing. They, I guess they don't want us flipping and doing From crazy Sandhawk. tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we have a scooter. We have a scooter. They're in these like kind of pretty pastel colors. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They're modeled jacket. after the, uh, what's it called? That classic scooter. Vespa? Vespa, yeah, exactly. Yep, little Vespas. Mm-hmm. Putt putt. And apparently, they have a top speed. If I remember from my sleepy morning watch of this video, it was about eighty or ninety. Yeah, no, it was like eighty-nine. It was like topping around around eighty-nine. Right. Which is it's plenty fast. It actually looked really slow in the video to me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of cars top. I think the boats top out around there, and so. It's really easy to control, it looks like, across the landscape, which is ironic, because I definitely think of scooters as purely pavement. <laughs> yeah, that they don't off-road well. Yeah, but they actually, they seem less tippy than right. the motorcycle. I think there's going to be less broken necks. Yep. So, that's good. But also, less sweet jumps. I think that speed limit is is going to be the main thing that saves lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And then another thing that I was just reading about here is, remember we were talking about the tuk-tuk? Mm-hmm. Well, they are actually going to have one of those. Right. They're calling it the tuk-shai. The, the tuk-shai, which tuk-shai. I don't know if that's a real vehicle that exists. I think I've heard it referred to as a rickshaw. Is that right? Well, a rickshaw, rickshaw. is drawn by a human. So, oh, never mind. So okay. that's the difference there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, similar idea. It's like two wheels and a pair of legs, which is kind of arguably a wheel, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) the human wheel. So, but yeah. But Tukshai, maybe that's just what they call it in certain parts of the world. So, (laughs) anyway. So, yeah. So, we will be getting basically our tuk-tuk. Our tuk-tuk in September. Right. And I expect that to be a pretty janky vehicle. It's going to be fun, though. Oh, it will. (laughs) It will be fun to blow up. That's for sure. 
So I hope they add some custom presets with the Tuk Tuk. I'm going to call it Tuk Tuk. Tuk Shy is not nearly tuk as shy, fun to say. Yeah. yeah, exactly. One other little thing I noticed was they decreased the minimum number of required players in a custom match from 10 to 8. I didn't mm. even know what the number was before. I just knew when I tried to start it with me and a few buds, it wouldn't work. But now it, you can do it with 8 people, which is still kind of a lot if you just want to go in and test a couple things. So. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about that is that you can get two four squads in there. You know, so if you want to do like okay. a one-on-one team right. kind of a scrim, fine. that's pretty cool. Fine, fine, fine. But you can't like get eight people to show up just so you can test body armor, you know? Like <laughs> that doesn't fly. Yeah. So I actually... That is kind of annoying. When they changed up the custom system, we both wondered whether or not this would kind of end up breaking customs. And I'm I'm of the mind currently that it has. That I tried to do customs last night because I'm, I'm testing my PC performance. And I wanted to do it with war games or war mode. And I spent about as much time in matchmaking as I did in game. Probably more. More time in matchmaking than I did in game. So. Yeah, that's pretty unimpressive. Sucks. We used to be able to start a war mode game or, or host one and we'd have it filled and we'd be going in less than a minute, literally, yeah. for 30 people. And now every lobby that I saw last night was like, Two or three people, you sit around for 10 minutes and then switch to a different one. And ugh, it's not the same. Not, it just doesn't work. I know. It's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, if they transition it to a pay for use model, then that might even things out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, for how much money they're trying to squeeze out of this, you know, they're a business, fine. Like they should yeah. do that. But I'm surprised they're not doing that already. Yeah. I think as long as it's affordable and as long as it's not some stupid, like, you have to pay per month kind of shit, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be really good. Like, a one-time $10 fee, Mm -hmm. I think, would be the perfect amount. Yeah. It would would let, you know, the people who mean business in, and it would, you know, prevent most of these kind of random useless servers from showing up. Right. Let's just talk about a few more things that are exciting about this patch. Um, The one for me that I really like is... Targeted interactive objects are now more easily distinguishable by the highlighted outline. So that just means when you're looking at a number of different things, or just anything, if you're looking at any object, whichever object you'd be about to pick up by using your pickup key is going to have like a little highlighted line around it, make Mm -hmm. it stand out, which I just think is amazing. It's just mm-hmm. so annoying when there's a pile of it's shit. Like, it's the 21st century, it's dude. It's the 21st century, man. It's the 21st century. We're going to outline the loot that's going to be added to your inventory when you look at it. I mean, if you think about it, the basic cognitive processing that allows a human being to distinguish one object from a pile of other objects and pick that one object up goes back like millions of years. <laughs> so, you know, fuck you, PUBG Corp. <laughs> But really, actually, thank you for finally bringing this into the game. Yeah, I was just remarking that before Brennan Green created this, he was working on mods, Armor 3 mods, right? Like um, H1Z1? That's the one. Yep. Okay. So that one, it actually, I played it recently, and this that game had this feature where if you look at loot and there's a pile, whatever you're looking at will be highlighted, right? So you know what you're going to grab if you hit the the pickup key. And so it's just, it feels like long overdue, but I'm stoked it's here. Yep. Thank you for introducing that. Mm -hmm. All right. There's a lot of stuff here and I'm not really sure we need to get into all of it. Was there anything else that jumped out at you? The marker system has changed slightly again, 
where your marker now has, if you place a marker on the map, it's not just, uh, say, like a green balloon with your number on top of it. It's a green balloon with this empty circular spot with your number on that, which looks a lot different than your personal icon, meaning the icon that represents you on the map. And so that's better. Actually, I'm kind of confused by their their demo art. Do you see that? There's like two yellow icons and then also a yellow player icon. Like the yellow person placed... Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. I think that was an error. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. There's like one just fully yellow. Uh-huh. I think that marker. must have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're just comparing what it used to be to what it... I think that's it. Maybe they're showing what it used to be and what it is now. So another thing that they've added that is going to be exciting for people who play in third person, which isn't either Robin or myself, but a lot of people do, is there's a lot more uh, third-person camera options now. So, you know, you can have the camera default to, like, over your right shoulder, over your left shoulder, and then you can also have it default, uh, go back to whichever shoulder you last peeked from, which is nice, mm. and also the last shoulder you aimed from. So... That's pretty cool. I just like that they're giving people options here because I actually remember being really annoyed when I played in third person that the camera would always be over the right shoulder. Mm -hmm. And it meant that peeking left kind of sucked. And I actually remember it was like Fuglet or Wacky Jacky was actually talking about this, about how people always peek right. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the camera. Yeah. So... That's kind of, you know, when when the meta of your game is altered because of your silly camera option, that's a problem. Right. So I think it's really cool that they've finally addressed this too. That's great. Now it won't be two people just peeking the right sides of trees next to each other over, <laughs> over again. Exactly. So, and then one other thing I like is that you actually get an update now when they do something about a player that you report in the game, which is pretty sweet. So, you know, you'll actually get like a message that says, you reported this person and we have banned them until this date. And so that's pretty cool. It's actually a confirmation that PUBG Corp is doing something when you tattle on somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's about it. I think that's all I want to say about the patch. Yep. Me too. All right. Next thing is Battlefield 5 released a new trailer, little peak preview. It actually had a lot of footage of mostly their other modes, but they also had some footage of the Battle Royale mode, which is very teasy mm, in that okay. there wasn't a lot of content. Yeah. But the one crucial thing that we did learn from it is that instead of this nebulous and inexplicable blue grid that closes in on you... It's a ring of fire, apparently. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, is it just like a roaring fire? It's like that... a roaring inferno that's closing in on everybody. Wow. Yep. It's pretty awesome looking. Does it look like it's like an insta-kill kind of a thing? I, I couldn't tell how it was affecting players. Mm -hmm. It was too brief and I didn't see it hit anybody. But I did notice that when it hit buildings, the buildings collapsed. Wow. Which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> which means I definitely am going to have to upgrade my CPU. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and your graphics card. If I'm in, like, a collapsing city that's on fire, like, that, yeah, I think my computer will just give up at that point, so. Yeah, it'll probably still perform better than PUBG. 
Yeah, you're. <laughs> Let's, <see. laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> so, oh, one more. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to talk about these Intel graphics cards. Right. Yeah. Did you catch wind of that as well? Well, I, so the basic bro, I think it was the basic bro sent me, uh, info about it. And I watched, uh, Linus from Linus Tech Tips talking about oh, it. Oh, you watch Linus too? Well, I, I, he shared this video okay. with me. So is that the video you're talking about? I, I watched the, the promo that Intel put out. Right, okay. Which was just like a bunch of really great video editing, basically. Mm -hmm. And didn't really tell us anything, except that Intel is intending on making a dedicated graphics card again, and that I think the date they put on it was 2020. Right. Yeah. Yep, that sounds right to me from from the thing that I watched. Mm -hmm. There's like this, yeah, there's this some teasers... And people actually went really deep on extrapolating from the teasers what we can expect. Really? Yeah. Okay. So there's there's like a lot of yeah, there's a lot of people like watching spoiler footage and piecing things together. It, it's people went deep on this, dude. Ah, interesting. So, but I yeah, the the that. upshot of it all is that yes, it does look like Intel is going to be offering gaming level boards, mm -hmm. which. I, yeah, I think everyone except NVIDIA and ATI are excited about this. Right. Who, who knows? Maybe those guys are excited about it too. But it seems like Intel... So I watched this... Uh, yeah, you, the, you said ATI. Oh, sorry. It's AMD, right? AMD. Okay. Yeah, that's, I that's like, what I meant. I've been thinking of it wrong this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, hold on. AMD makes... They make processors, but they don't make graphics cards. Is that right? Have I yeah. been confusing these two? I, I'm pretty sure it's ATI. I'm, this is why I've been spending so much time studying hardware, as I'm like <laughs> such a noob to hardware manufacturers and like what's available. Dude, yeah, it's it's ATI, brother. Okay, all right. So cool. welcome to the 21st century, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> all credibility gone. Yep. <laughs> No, AMD competitor to Intel, ATI mm -hmm. competitor to NVIDIA. All right. So, yeah, this uh, the interesting thing that I gleaned from this um, Linus Tech Tips video that I watched is that Intel actually put a lot of development into a previous generation of dedicated graphics cards mm -hmm. that were basically, there were a number of things that were exciting about them. They were kind of more like, it was almost like a, an independent processing platform. Mm -hmm. And it was running a bunch of shit in software, which was really interesting. So a lot of, you know, like your, your normal modern graphics cards are very dedicated hardware. Mm -hmm. And they have to be passed very specific dedicated instructions to do specific graphical stuff. Mm -hmm. And these Intel chips that he was, he had his prototype that he was looking at which didn't work of course because he didn't have the drivers for i actually it. saw that video yeah yeah so these chips were a bit more generalized mm -hmm. um which just had a lot of exciting implications for what you could use them for although it made them bad for gaming because they weren't as dedicated mm -hmm. so you know it basically would have taken a lot more driver development for them to actually get decent performance out of them. Mm -hmm. So one thing I'm curious about is if these chips are going to be like directly aimed at really competitive gaming or if they're going to be, you know, like a broader spectrum chip designed to do different things. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. And we don't know yet. We don't know anything about them. Yeah. We don't even know if they're going to be 
really made for gaming at all. So, I mean, there's a lot of higher end, I didn't realize this, but there's a lot of higher end graphics cards out there that are great at a lot of desktop applications like video editing and things like that, that are, they work for gaming, but they might cost three times as much as a top end gaming graphics card and they'd perform about the same exactly yeah they're just not optimized yep so like the titan the the nvidia titan is an example of that where i believe i believe it's it's a very expensive card it's around three thousand dollars but it, i don't think it actually does that much better for gaming no <laughs> no it doesn't yeah yeah they, they use them for you know video editing and mm-hmm. various other stuff Well, yeah, that's exciting. We'll keep our eyes on that as it unfolds. But now, the moment everyone's been waiting for... Your questions get answered. I'm stoked about this, man. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions. We're going to go deep here. So strap yourselves in. You are going to learn a lot. I hope we have interesting things to say that will teach you things that you yeah. know. <laughs> so, Robin, kick us off. All right. So, this first one, yeah, this first one's from Shibui. And he says, So, between the both of you, what is your favorite TV show right now? Arjuna, go. Mm, Me. Okay. Well, I don't actually watch shows. So, (laughs) at all? At all. I've actually been curious about that. You definitely seem like you're low on the media consumption generally. I am. Yeah. I am. So, so yeah, I was raised by fundamentalist hippies who didn't want me to watch television. So, we didn't have a television in the house. Yeah. So, the first time I actually watched TV regularly is when we moved back to London when I was 13. Mm. so i just you know but english television's kind of crappy anyway <laughs> so <laughs> i did so really and then you know in my adult life i'm really not conditioned to watch tv so i really watch very few shows ever mm. and it's usually like if i'm in a partnership then you know my other half will be encouraging me to watch stuff yeah netflix and chill is a thing man that's it's a thing keeping half of america's relationships together right now i mean let's just be real (laughs) cheapest marriage counselor there is so i don't really watch shows but i will tell you one of my latest crazes because i watch a lot of youtube so one of the things i've enjoyed most on youtube lately is a guy called the la beast and this guy is super entertaining he's a competitive eater I don't know if he still eats competitively. He definitely did at one point. But his show is all about eating crazy shit. <laughs> and so, to give you an idea, this guy uh, this guy does things like... He actually eats cacti, like cactuses. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he has, like... He got, like, these five... I think it was, like, five of those spiny, fuzzy cacti uh-huh. and just ate like the them. house plant ones yeah 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 the ones that are like furry you know <laughs> he just he like oh. eats these on camera uh he also just eats a various assortment of like the world's hottest this and that yeah yeah he drinks incredible quantities of things he is just a highly highly entertaining person i love that this is like the thing you like to watch because like living with you i know that your diet 
is like pretty narrow. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like you just don't, you know, you you don't eat everything. No. And uh, you don't always respond well to everything. And so... No, I got sensitive guts. This must be cathartic for you. It is. I get to live vicariously <laughs> through the LA Beast. But I'll tell you what, you will too, man. Okay. I mean, the LA Beast will make any normal person look like they're on a diet. I mean, this guy's just crazy. Mm -hmm. So, that's my recommendation. Go watch the LA Beast and yep. just get ready to laugh your ass off. All right, man. Robin, what about you? God, that was, a, that was quite an endorsement. So, I love that you brought up your upbringing there. So, I, I thought I would... My, I had a fundamentalist Christian mother, basically. And then my dad was like a chill dude who watched TV all the time. And so, there's always this tension in the house around television and i remembered growing up and watching things like the simpsons and my mom would just rage about it like it was just the, the devil she literally called the tv she called the tv the satan box oh no yeah man yeah the satan box it, you heard it here first that's super intense <laughs> i can just imagine your mom saying that yeah too, i mean my parents like it wasn't a great marriage they had like different sides of the house basically whoa and, yeah yeah but anyway, so we'd like chill out and watch TV with my dad and my mom would like berate us and all of that. But we would like nowadays, it's funny because back then I didn't like Star Trek when I was a kid, but now I love it. And so actually lately, the most recent, sh recent show I've watched is actually Star Trek The Next Generation. There it is, guys. I've outed myself. I'm a Trekkie. I mean, that's clearly the best one. Huge Next Generation fan and... Big pan, uh, fan of Patrick Stewart, who just announced that he's actually coming back into the next series of Star Whoa, Trek. Oh, really? Really. Wow. So, that was, like, huge. That Make was, it like, so. like, my heart melted when I heard that. We'll see what they actually end up producing, but yeah, that's really exciting. Because he's, he's a guy of, of principles, and, and those principles came through in the next generation. And I think that currently, with our, our current mm, social climate, I'll say... It's it's kind of a, a, a little ray of hope for me, as, as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. You know, captain Picard's going to show up and make it right. Yeah, and he might not be captain, but he will be, you know, Picard in some role. Oh, yeah. old man Picard. Yep, yep, yep. You youngsters. Yep. I would go into this more, but this is not a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> um, I like Westworld a lot right now, too. I still haven't watched the second season, but that's a thing. I like it. Great, great first season. At the West World. It explored some some themes of of humanity and technology that I haven't seen explored quite that well before. So I was pretty impressed. And it was just like it had a lot of sentimentalism too, which I don't usually go for. But in the context of like cr crazy gratuitous violence, it was like I need this. <laughs> 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 anyway, next question is from Nibs and. He says, what do you guys do when not gaming or the podcast? Yeah, what do you do, Robin? What do I do? Ugh, I'm kind of, what do I do lately? I try to get out on the weekends. So, I went surfing recently for the first time. Whoa. Yep, that was fun. It was really was fun. Was it cold? I want to do it again. I wore a wetsuit, so not really. Okay. And I had another wetsuit adventure two weeks after that where I went and counted fish in a river in California as part of a survey. That was cool. That all makes me sound really cool. I don't usually do stuff like that. Um, 
I used to climb a lot, but I'm kind of injured. So I'm actually, I do a lot of physical therapy right now. <laughs> That's what mm. I fucking do. Yeah. I'm like trying to get my body back to a kind of resilient state where I can do things that I like, like running and climbing and go up a mountain a couple times a year, stuff like that. Yeah, you're a pretty outdoorsy person. Uh, yeah, I like I like to like athletically engage in a meaningful way. I might get into mountain biking. Aside from that, I like to date. Doing that, dating, it's fun. That's about it. Yeah, a greeting. I don't know, just whatever. Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I just don't swing that way. But so check it out. I had this great idea for a gay dating app. Okay, it's called Stud Finder. Oh, I bet that exists. Wouldn't that be amazing? That has to exist. I feel like that does exist. And like the little, you know, the little graphic of it would be like, it would be like searching for the stud in the wall. And then when it found it, it would be like, ding, you have a man. Oh, wow. Okay. That, yeah. That's a million dollar idea. Uh, just saying. Don't Google that, by the way. <laughs> okay. Don't. Oh don't don't oh do God. it. All right. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, Robin, you're also quite into science, aren't you? Yeah, you got like casually. I mm -hmm. guess it's kind of funny cuz right now I'm I'm really interested in troubleshooting my PUBG problems. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like throwing me into this whole world of learning about computer hardware, which apparently I still don't know like who manufacturers are, but it's, I, I have to say, it's mostly because I've been focusing on NVIDIA and Intel and the different things that they put out. Mm, right. Um, so, the ATI versus AMD thing had never actually fully processed. But, so yeah, right now I'm in the middle of kind of some like studies on on a couple of things, which will actually result in a show, two different shows at some point. I'm going to do, I want to do a show on hardware and I also want to do a show on aiming and how people might be able to improve their aim, which is like a really hard topic. Yeah. And that's why I want to do it. I want to actually really want to study this and, and try like experimenting on myself in different ways and see if I can come up with some things. Got some ideas. Got some ideas. Nice, man. I'm excited about that. All right. Well, for me, let's see. What do I do when I'm not gaming? I don't date, but I am dating somebody. Mm -hmm. So I spend quite a lot of time with my significant other. And I have many, many interests that I kind of come into and out of over time. So one of those is music. I very much like music. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, the original intro and outro music and a lot of the musical interludes were made by me mm -hmm. so music is just it's something i've been passionate about my whole life i was raised in a musical family i've uh, been playing the drums since i was nine Whoa. so i i'm a good drummer i'll say that you are good i have not kept up on it if yeah. i had been diligent i'd probably be three times as good of a drummer mm -hmm. as i am now but i'm just because i've been playing since nine i'm pretty good mm -hmm. i also you know i play the bass guitar and the regular guitar and i've played a lot of other instruments in my life so just very musically inclined person um i also like writing a lot i have been a performance poet at various times mm -hmm. which is was really good but I, I i think i only heard one of your pieces once uh i don't remember where i heard that but I was really impressed. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. I like performing, mm -hmm. you know? It doesn't surprise me that I ended up doing a podcast because mm -hmm. I just like the sound of my own voice. I mean, <laughs> there it is, laying it all out there for you. So, 
Yeah, I just I like performing. The larger the audience, the more, the more I rise to it. So I'm not one of those. You know, some people like hate public speaking or they hate getting on stage. They really don't like that kind of attention.、Mm-hmm. But for me, I thrive on it. So,、uh, you know, I used to be an actor as well. I was in in school in my grade school years. I did a lot of theater productions, stuff like that. But I don't know. You know, I think both you and me, Robin, are people who have a lot of interests. Yeah. Like it's you know, I'm the kind of person like I'll get into something obsessively for six months, and I'll like read all over the forums on that thing, and I'll just like get super focused on it, and then one day I'm just done with it, and、mm-hmm. I have to move on.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know, I used to work as a sound engineer, which is another one of the reasons I was excited to do a podcast because I kind of have some of the skill set for it. But yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see what I get into next.、It's、yeah, kind of constantly evolving. All right, all right. Let's do this next question here. Giant Yeti Man says, "I'm a fanboy for this game, but these highs and lows from Blue Hole, aka Poop Hole, yikes, are wearing me out." I find myself needing to take longer breaks from the game. Do you find yourself looking for the next best multiplayer survival game to replace PUBG? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> do we? <laughs> If so, have you found anything you like or are excited for? Oh man, I mean, I've been waiting for like the next PUBG for since the first PUBG. No, probably like five or six. <laughs> I'd say like five months. Yeah, basically, I've been like, all right, like. This company's kind of pissing me off now. Yeah, like what's what's next? And there isn't. I don't think there's a good replacement yet. So I, I have been、agree. waiting. It's not there. I think like even I was surprised. I Islands of Nine was kind of a flash in the pan. I'm not sure if、yeah. much of the culture has popped up around that. I haven't really been following, but in, in terms of content I've been seeing and also like what I've been playing, I haven't I haven't been playing it much. And yeah, same. So it's kind of interesting, right? Because it it kind of goes to show that. A game that makes it into the genre first is really gonna gonna be the biggest splash, I think.、Um, if it's the first implementation that does it well, anyway, right? It's really hard to overtake that. Actually, you know, maybe I stand corrected now that I think about Fortnite, but that was a d- totally different business model with the free to play aspect. So, wait, wh- what was that game? <laughs> the、uh, other、well, game. I guess still have things、yeah. to learn. I guess which. God, we we should just talk about that game sometimes because there's some shit they do that I really like. If they had a couple of different mechanics, I would probably play it. Anyway,、hmm. I just lost my hearing for a moment. <laughs> so did the audio cut out there? Yeah, yeah. Some something something happened, man. I,、uh, I'm back. Anyway, I'm back. Ta-da. <laughs>、um, I so okay. A game that I'm excited about that I haven't actually played yet is Fractured Lands. Mm. Now, Robin, you told me that you played this game,、mm. and that it was it just that there weren't enough people playing. Was that that was a was big、hard? part of it?、Okay. And I literally only played one game, and I I think I jumped off my motorcycle when I was driving.、Mm-hmm. But I I hit the F key when I was at full speed on accident. I think this is what happened, and then my screen just went black for fifteen seconds, <laughs> and then. The screen came back on, and I was spectating somebody. So I can only assume that I died. But like everything leading up to that was just like, eh. Like it didn't look that good. It didn't. It didn't feel like that fun to be in this world, honestly.、Mm, um, okay. And the footage that I saw of other people playing it, it was it. 
I'm not sure if the hit detection was off or if it just takes a lot more damage to kill people. But they were just like mowing into people before they died mm. relative to what we see in PUBG. Like landing like 10 shots with like good rifles. And wow. Yeah. Really? Hmm. Yeah. From the way it looked. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just didn't. It wasn't. None of that was like confidence building. And I don't want another like to invest myself in another game right now that's half baked. Yeah. So that was my big thing too. Like I'm excited about a lot of these games coming out. But, you know, going through this emotional arc with PUBG mm -hmm. has left me a little tired of unfinished games. Exactly. Like, I d I'm so with you, dude. I don't want to get into another game where I'm just, like, waiting for the patch to come out. Mm -hmm. And I'm already sick of the game by right. the time it's even half well developed. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I will say, though, that I'm really excited about a game like Fractured Lands. I have been... Like, I love vehicle combat games, and especially, like, hybrid vehicle combat games. And I've had my eye on this genre, like, ever since I got into PC gaming in the 90s. Mm. So, and a few people have attempted to make games. Like, there was a game called Redline that came out in the late 90s that mm -hmm. was kind of disappointing. Uh, there have been, like, some vehicle-only games, like the Interstate 76 series, so yeah, and I miss all of those. I, I played the hell out of Twisted Metal. Yeah, Twisted Metal was great. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that. Even Carmageddon, right? Just mm. any any like car game that's not just like a linear racing game. Right. I'm I'm really interested in the genre. Yeah. So and and furthermore, no one's made like the godlike vehicle slash first person shooter genre game yet that I know of. Wait, anyway. what do you mean? Well, like I mean, okay, PUBG, but like, I'm talking about a, I'm talking about a game where the vehicles are like as important as the as the first person shooter aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, like it's not the vehicles aren't important in PUBG. Yeah. But the game, it's it's I don't know. Like Fractured Lands is clearly a game where the vehicle is like fully half at least half of the experience right right and i i love that idea right I'm, it just like there's it, something it, it's about like, it's cars though really is what we're talking about yeah because i think that battlefield is the closest i've seen and because battlefield has a lot of different vehicle options but it's anyway sure. anything from helicopters to jets to bombers depending on what game you're in yeah um to tanks to different types of armored vehicles with different types of rounds and then like ATVs and motorcycles as well. Sure. And, but that's not the same as this like, ca like armored car plus person kind of carnage. Like, yeah. Grand Theft Auto seems to have like, like obviously that game focuses a lot on cars. I yeah, haven't played definitely. any of the recent installations mm -hmm. of that game, but I definitely, I played a lot of Vice City and the way that the cars handles was really fun. It didn't feel like a racing game by any measure. And also the game, the shooting gameplay wasn't that great. It, it mostly mm. felt like a great game for the sandbox aspect. Exactly. But I think those games have come a long way from, from what I see, but I couldn't, I can't say firsthand. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, I feel like the appeal of GTA is just getting to live out some of your crazy urban fantasies, like stealing a cop car and, 
beating people up with a baseball bat, stuff like that. You know, it's just kind of like this crazy anarchic style of game. Yeah. Which I think is really great, but you're right. It's not like, it's not like the shooting mechanics are pretty well-defined or, yeah. or even the driving mechanics aren't that granular. No. You know? You're right, man. It's like, like when I, I remember back when I played PlayStation, there was this game called Driver. Mm, oh, I heard about that, but I never played it. It was so good. Yeah. Like, but it was only driving. Okay. Right? Yeah. But the driving that, that they implemented, the mechanics of it were awesome. Nice. Really good. Yeah. Really fun. Looking back on it, the game looks really bad. But <laughs> sure. it was a three-dimensional driving game. That was a sandbox game. And you had missions, so you would like go from point A to point B. But and the physics were superb. The mm. handling was excellent. And I always wanted that game to have a first-person shooter aspect to it. Yeah. You know? So... It's just... It's an idea. It's a... And it's been around. And, you know, Fractured Lands has this kind of Mad Max aesthetic, which I just think is wonderful. And basically, I'm just waiting for, like, the breakout Mad Max game. Yeah. And... It's. I can see why it hasn't happened yet because I think it's more difficult than people realize to make that kind of a game flow really well and feel good. Yeah. Have both the driving and the shooting mechanics right. be really satisfying. Like you can't just put like Rocket League into PUBG. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that would be amazing. But yeah, and it's kind of okay. Like imagine, imagine if you took PUBG and took the sh- the FPS out of it and just did the vehicle part of the game. It would be a terrible vehicle game, Oh yeah, right? Right. And so that just kind of highlights the fact that PUBG is like 90% shooter, 10% driving game. Right. I'm, and the, the games that are good at driving, like that have the driving thing down, most of them have been doing it for decades exactly, now. Exactly, exactly. This is not an easy thing to do. It's not. I think people take for granted that like just because a lot of people have made driving games yeah. or just because a lot of people have made shooters that it's easy. Mm-hmm. But if you think about what makes them satisfying, it's all the little stuff like how you sway when you move and, mm-hmm. you know, how your car skids and, uh, you know, just all of these subtle physics things that that really differentiate like some shitty weekend project from a AAA title. Right. It's hard. It's really hard to do. Like thinking about like the bounce of a tire, like hitting a curb. Totally. Like that sounds really difficult. (laughs) Exactly. So marrying the two in a game and then having it be like an exciting battle royale game as well. I I don't envy them that challenge. Mm -hmm. However, someone's going to do it right. And when they do, I'm going to play the shit out of that game. Yep. So, all right, shall we move on? Yeah. Okay, next one. So, Kohler. This is a related question. Is it? All right. If you had to choose a better Royale world to be in, uh, whether it be an existing one or a future announced one, what would you choose? I've always wondered why developers don't use actual places. Yes. Why, why developers don't model real places. Because when we conceive of what, a plate like think of an agricultural scene and you're like in your head like what is what's there mm, mm-hmm. just take a second and then i'm gonna show you a picture of an agricultural scene and there's gonna be shit in that agricultural scene that you will never think of ever <laughs> unless you grew up in one or something yeah right or, or there's a lot of different types of them and the way that people design environments like when they're actually building stuff 
and and the applications for for that kind of like design and architecture that what people do with it is so weird like i feel like this is one of those things where the truth is stranger than fiction like i was going through a landscape the other day and like right in the middle of a field there was this like hut that looked like it was for animals and it's like i've never seen that like if i was going to put a hut somewhere on a field it would be in a corner because that's where i've always seen them it's like there's always outbuildings on the sides and then the center is for like grazing or harvesting and planting or whatever and just like the the weird stuff that people actually end up doing i think is stranger than what we imagine when we create things to to replicate them yeah and so like i've always wondered like why don't why don't we just model downtown san francisco and play there and why don't we model new york now these places definitely inspire design but it's and sometimes even driver the the game driver for example actually modeled their cities they were inspired by those cities but it wasn't those cities you know at all yeah and i i just i'm curious i'm wondering if if people would would shy away from that idea um i mean this is kind of a dark thought but you could you could use those games to actually simulate a real attack like you could use a game for some type of training if you were if you were into that and and that's what i th- you know it doesn't happen often that people are doing this kind of stuff but it happens often enough that if if somebody did attack a city where there was a model in a game and that person owned the game then it would be like you know there'd be a lot of finger wagging and and yeah I th- I think you raise a really good point there mm-hmm. and I think that it's happened you know like there have like there was actually it was either one of the GTA games or a GTA alike game mm-hmm. that actually tried to do this I think they modeled San Francisco and I th- people brought this exact thing up they were mm-hmm. like well this is kind of creepy and you can commit crimes within a city that actually exists it's I just think like, it's, I think especially for a game like GTA it's yeah, creepy Yeah exactly um I don't know. I'm I'm curious what the American public would think of like a Counter Strike game where it's like, well, there's evil terrorists, and then like the good people kill them, and like, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it's really interesting you say this, Robin, because that was going to be my answer too. Hmm. I would love to do a battle royale in New York City mm-hmm. or in Tokyo or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe one of the ways that they can make it a little more acceptable is if they made it post-apocalyptic. So, like, hmm. maybe, like, some of the buildings have fallen over and some of the parts of it are flooded. And so, they base it off of the city, but then the actual landscape is quite different. Mm-hmm. But I still think that would be really cool. You know, yeah. like, how cool would it be to, like, have a PUBG fight in Times Square? Yeah, seeing Battlefield unfold in that is, like, oh, I love that. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think that we're agreed on this one. Mm-hmm. Or go back to the procedural generation of maps. Ooh, yes. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the ultimate to me. The ultimate battle royale would be a, a map that nobody knows. Right. Every time. Yeah, which I think it's only a matter of time before that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, procedural everything is going to be like eventually people are just going to listen to procedurally generated electronic music. Like that's already becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just want um, I want to listen to just procedurally generated thoughts all day, <laughs> dude. 
eventually this podcast will just be procedurally generated it'll just it'll just be like clips of of me saying exactly like, totally yeah. and then like you know you you laughing and yep. be like some thought yeah, noises we're there already <laughs> i know we are how do you know this show wasn't procedurally i'm just generated. one big meta procedure man <laughs> oh man all right mta cash oh sorry mt cash asks this is going to get into some deep minutia, but I love it. Great. I love it too. I love it already. What are your absolute ideal loadouts on each of the maps? This is a great question. I'm an Xbox player, so I can only know Erangel and Miramar. Sad. But just between these two maps, I have different guns I prefer. Mm -hmm. So MT Cash says on Erangel, they like the M4 and the Tommy gun. Oh, bravo. Yeah, that's, bravo that's a ballsy. For, for sporting the Tommy gun. It's a ballsy loadout. And then check out on Miramar, they like the Mini 14 and the VSS. So clearly an adventurous and independent thinking kind of a player. Yes. Here. Daniel asked a similar question in the past, which is, what are your go-to guns on the different maps? Are there dream loadouts? Or are there a lot of guns and attachments that are viable? Uh-huh. So I think this is a great question, and I like the granularity of talking about the maps because they are different. Mm-hmm. Robin, what, what are your dream loadouts for the maps? I, I tried to just, in my head, think of this really fast, what I would typically go for. And I think if I... This is tricky. I, every time we have a gun discussion, it's like the guns that I feel really confident with, and then there's the guns that I kind of want to have fun with and try. And but the ones that I feel confident with on Aaron Gall would be Car 98 and M4, and yeah. I'm going to throw in the sidearm, which for all of them, spoiler alert, is going to be the sawed off. Right. Which actually you is can't like, get that on Aaron. It's not on Aaron Gall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then no sidearm in Aaron Gall because none of the others are really worth it. Yeah. And Miramar, Car 98, M4, same thing, and okay. with the sawed off. Mm -hmm. And then Sandhawk, I'm going to throw that in. Um, I think the QBU plus a Vector. Dude, I was going to say that for Sandhawk yep. too. Yep. That's my favorite loadout currently. It's awesome. As long as that Vector is extended, yeah. it's, you're sitting pretty good. And I think the sawed off is even more crucial in this case huh, okay. because oh, it's really easy to spill quickly. all your beans yeah, with exactly. the vector. And then you just, if, if someone's close enough to use a vector, they might be close enough to finish them off with the sawed off. Yeah. Uh, they have to be quite close to be fair, but that's true. Mm -hmm. Well, I couldn't agree more, dude, this, you know, seeing you use the vector on Sandhawk got me really stoked about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that gun just shreds. And mm -hmm. it's hard to describe exactly why it's so good on Sandhawk, but it just really is. Same with the QBU. I think it's an ideal weapon for Sandhawk. Yeah. So now talking, for me, talking about the other maps, yeah, I think Car 98 M4 is just, that's the classic Erangel loadout. And I feel like it always will be. Mm -hmm. And so just, just for that kind of classicism, I would go with that. Mm -hmm. Now, on Miramar, Miramar is the really interesting one for me mm. because you get into so many sniping battles on Miramar that are at really long distance and it gets really hard to land those headshots. And so I've actually been leaning away from the bolt action rifles on Miramar. And so I think that my loadout on Miramar now would probably be SLR. Yeah. And for the rifle, I, that's a hard one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
So lately, I've actually been really. This is kind of heretical. I think this is a lot of people's least favorite gun, coupled with a lot of people's least favorite scope. But lately, I have just been loving the M16 with the 3x scope on it. Oh, it's such a versatile combo. Okay, I love it. All and right. I actually think that Miramar is a really excellent place for it because you get in these situations so often when there's someone running, maybe like a hundred to two hundred meters away, and you just want to tap them out really quickly, and they don't have any cover. Yeah. And so if you can just get enough bullets into them really quickly, you can take them down pretty easily. Right. And so actually, the SLR and the M16 are both very good for this, like throwing a three X scope on them and then just tapping people mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely want the tapping capability on Miramar in particular. Yeah. I just think that the landscape really loans itself to that. Yeah. I've actually been warming up to the M16. Um, cause I've, I get it in war mode a lot Yeah, and I've learned that I can tap with it pretty well and it's pretty effective. So I almost never use burst fire unless I'm going into a tight building. But, yeah. Burst fire is so tricky, man. Yeah. In a building it works, but, um, the tapping at range is actually really quite good. So it is. I'm warming up to it. I actually kind of like it now. It is. And I actually, so I had this point in my game when I really wanted to get better at spraying because I sucked at spraying and I, I still kind of suck at spraying. I've always been a tapper in this game. Like it just instinctively makes sense to me. I don't know what it is, but it's just, I find that overall I get better results when I do it. Yeah. And so I've been noticing recently that like, if my sprays are unfocused, especially at like 50 or a hundred meters, then I actually might not be landing bullets any more regularly than if I was just aiming and tapping, right? So if you aim and you go like tap, 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 and someone's dead, that's about how long I would have sprayed at them to kill them anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's I've it's just been changing my mind yeah. thinking about that. Now, of course, if you're really up close, then there's no question. Like if you're just leaning around a corner and spraying someone, that's by far going to kill them the quickest. But for anything other, and, and, you know, I guess in that situation, you still have your spray on the M16, your, your burst mode. So anyway, just something I'm thinking about. Yeah. This is a, try it out, folks. M16 3X scope. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. All right. And anyway, that was paired with what again for Miramar? Well, yeah, that's tough. Cause I guess I would feel kind of like an idiot using an SLR M16 loadout. Like that seems like a pretty redundant that's loadout silly. to me. Yeah. So I, M4, M16 would make more sense almost. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think it continues to change for me on Miramar, mm -hmm. which I think is a testament to how good that map is. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So this next question is from King Rays. So he asked, what makes a good strategy? Do you drop the same location and make sure you know it like the back of your hand, kind of like the pros? How do you infiltrate houses slash compounds? And then he goes on to say, my friends and I have been getting some success with um, smoking the floor said enemy is on and then fragging the floor we just smoked. Um, I'd like to hear some of your tips on the situation. Mm. That's a lot of questions. Yeah, that is a lot of questions. Okay. Well, let's take it from the top. A good strategy. So, yeah, what makes a good strategy? I mean, that's a very broad question. Very. So, we... 
We have devoted this entire podcast to trying to answer that question. <laughs> so, in summary. So, we just uh, listened to the last 37 episodes. So, let, let's talk about this. Do you drop the same location? Because that, that's, you know, that's an interesting question. Do you ever do that? This, I, I don't have like a favorite location, but I will say this. My game did get better when I would pick a location and I would drop there every time. Yep. Like maybe just for the whole evening. I'm like, I'm going to drop only at the military base. Right. Or, you know, I'm, there was a long time when I really wanted to get better and I kept dropping in. Um, shit, it's been so long since I, I'm forgetting the names of places. What's the place right north of the school in Erangel? Razak. Razak. I just, I got on a tear with Razak and like for a week, mm. I just dropped there because I just, I never felt good there. I never felt comfortable. Yeah. In my early days, I had a long tear with, with Razak. Yeah. It's a really great place to learn how to get better at the game. Like yep. it's always competitive. It's a big town. There's a lot of play to it. Yep. And and there's enough, you, there's usually enough space to not just get mowed down right away. Yeah. Where like everyone kind of lands, gets situated and then the battle's on. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like house to house standoff stuff. That's really fun. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, my first recommendation would be like, if you don't have a favorite spot, I think it is a good idea to pick at least one spot and just really get familiar with it. And that way, you know, like if you're, let's say you're playing with people you don't know, or maybe you have a string of bad games, it's always just nice to have a place you can drop where you feel really comfortable. Hmm. And I think that the goal is to feel that way about everywhere. So, and I think I furthermore, I think it's really bad to have like glaring blind spots in your game. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, if you end up in a final circle on the military base and you just never go there, you're at such a severe disadvantage. Mm -hmm. and, and I noticed that when I started like dropping at these places that I was scared of, like the school and the military mm -hmm. base and Picado, yeah. stuff like that, just my knowledge of the game increased a lot. Right. So it is really important to know just, you know, some places have buildings that aren't anywhere else. And if you don't know those buildings, mm -hmm. you're going to get boned trying to <laughs> play in them. Maybe. 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 Yeah. But... Yeah, I I actually wish I was a little more disciplined about choosing my drop site because I tend to enjoy variety more than kind of the um, just plugging a place over and over. Kind of the oh, I keep forgetting the word the grind and trying to, instead of trying to grind <laughs> the same location over yeah. and over. But I actually have experimented with that a little bit, especially on Sandhawk, where I won't. I haven't been hot dropping as much, but I'll drop at a particular group of houses near the boot camp. I actually did that for a whole evening once, and it was really fun. I actually enjoyed it. It was, it was cool to just get a really good sense of the buildings, how other people, like other people's landing patterns there, just to kind of get a sense of like how the map can unfold around that place as well, and, and how to use each of the buildings. So... It is actually something I recommend. It's not something I personally do a lot of, but I think it's a good idea to just for one night, you're going to have a two hour session, just pick a spot and you'd have to narrow your map list if you're going to do this. Um, and of course, Aaron Gall and Miramar, you never know which one you're going to get there. So it's a little tricky. You might have a spot in each map. Yeah, but, exactly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do actually, I think that's beneficial um, to do that. 
But not everybody, like some people just want to drop wherever. So right. that's fun too. Yeah. I will say if you're one of these people that always drops at South George, like you got to start branching out, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's great. It's a good idea to focus on a place for a while, but if that becomes the only place that you drop, it's really going to start limiting your game. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of the things I've learned in this game came from just switching it up and trying something else. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to try this other gun. Oh, it's actually pretty good. So I, I would recommend, it, while it's good to learn a place, I would recommend against getting stuck in a rut. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these pros, like, don't, don't mistake the fact a lot of these pro teams have their favorite location and they train religiously at that location. These guys know the map. Like, they know the whole map. They know all of the locations. It's just that their team has chosen that place. Like when these people are playing by themselves and learning the game, they're, they're dropping other places. Right. So it's it's important. Like don't leave that out of your training. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cool. How about this next question, Robin? How do you infiltrate houses and compounds? Uh, usually really haphazardly. <laughs> <laughs> the honest answer, folks. Honestly, I mean... It's, it depends, right? Cause there's two different ways to walk into a house. There's the, I'm walking into this house, house to loot the, stuff. The front door or the back door. <laughs> there's, <laughs> hey. there's, there's the loot mentality to walk into the house with. And then there's the, I'm going to swat this house and kill people kind of mindset to walk into a house with. And 90% of the time people walk in with the loot mentality, right? And so there's no infiltration happening there. But if you know there's people there, which is probably what this question is about, yeah. Um, then still pretty haphazardly, I'm sad to say, which is actually this last week, I wanted to focus our um, session, our tactic session on Monday on urban environments, P partially because of this. I'm recognizing that this is a weak spot mm. and that it's particularly difficult to coordinate a team in a building and in an urban environment. And it's a challenge that I want to begin to tackle with people. Um, but it's hard. It's really hard. And it's even hard. It would have been a little bit easier with the marking system that they were going to put out and now isn't. Um, but basically the, the buddy system is the, is what, what I would do is the easiest way to stay organized where you're with one other teammate. And then the other half of the squad is grouped up and you guys might attack the building from different doors or one of you might stay outside. But I was having a buddy is kind of like the quick tactic that's going to work fairly well. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And speaking of quick, something that I've been noticing a lot lately in this game is that storming a place with speed can be really effective. Really? Yes. So... I think a lot of people often, you can catch a lot of people by surprise if you move quickly in okay. this game. Mm -hmm. And like, even if they know that you're coming, like if a vehicle pulls up outside the house and then someone's like upstairs in five seconds shooting at you, it can be pretty disorienting. Mm -hmm. Like I think that what often happens when people are defending a house is they hunker down, they start listening they, you know, they switch their weapon. They kind of, people kind of brace themselves and they get ready. Yeah. And if you give them the, the minimal amount of time to do that, especially like if there's multiple people and they're kind of dicking around and, you know, a lot of people when they're like, 
holding a house, they go into like beta brainwave mode. Mm. Like they, they stop focusing. They start bullshitting with their teammates. They start exchanging <laughs> loot. You know, this is kind of like this like frat mentality starts to come out. <laughs> you know <laughs> start playing beer pong yeah yeah exactly you know one of the bros takes his <laughs> shoes off and lies on the couch you know so there's just something about it and so like if you can just bust the fuck in there and just like like be like a squat team think just, of, yeah get your s12ks out your tommy guns your uzis and just like th- think about it. like SWAT teams. SWAT teams don't like show up and stand outside for ten minutes and take. Actually, pot they shots. do do that. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> there goes my career in podcasting. <laughs> well, I just like SWAT standoffs. It, it depends, but like a lot of them are like really long and like oh, careful, they? right? It's like, well, yeah, they are. But once they're in, they're fucking in. They're fucking like, in. They're you know? they're they're gonna clear that house in ten seconds. That's it. Yep. So that I I recommend that that's my recommendation to you is like bust in that house. Like have have like your friend go around the back, bust in at the same time, and just like move through there like a boss. Mm-hmm. And like I just feel like half the time you're gonna catch people with their pants down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah that 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 would be my recommendation. I love that. I love that suggestion. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's just the thing is, it's worked on me so many times. Yeah, like I think that some people just don't. They expect like when you're being defensive. I think sometimes you expect other people who are breaching you to also play defensively. You're like, I'm crouching and I'm leaning around the corner and Mm. I'm looking at my red dot. And if someone just fucking like jumps around that corner and caps you, like it's often the best way to to bust someone out who's really entrenched is to like move really quickly and do something unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, I like his, his little tactic he gave us here, which is to smoke um a building and then nade it yeah which is awesome like, <laughs> yeah that could be pretty it really sucks to be in a in a room that is full of smoke yes i've realized that's, that's like true. i've realized that i'm really bad at being in that situation mm-hmm. and i'm really bad at orienting myself and getting out of that situation so like yeah it's, i think it's a solid little tactic yeah we should try it yeah we should yeah i definitely yeah. want to check it out i've never I do occasionally smoke people when they're in a house, but mostly just to troll them. Yeah. But smoking and then fragging is pretty brilliant. Smoking and fragging is a pretty awesome combination in general. I I dig it. And especially, like, if you have an enemy team that's, like, in a bad situation in the middle of a field or someone's trying to pick up their knocked teammate, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. just hucking a bunch of frags into your you know, enemies smoke can be a really great way to pick mm-hmm. up kills. Right. But yeah. even better in the inside. Yeah? Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, outside too, because they're either going to have to run out of the smoke when you, sh- and then you shoot them or they stay in and they get naded. So this either is, way, smokes is, and nades are like magical combo. Yeah. This is like the great, the great three killer combo right here is that you smoke and then you frag, and then you run in with your M249, and you just unload an entire fucking mag onto that floor. You know, you're, like, you're, you're going to kill someone, man. <laughs> yeah.
The Snuggie asks, for each of you, do you remember your first chicken dinner and how did it go down? This is a great question. Was it solo, duo, or squad? Okay, so I started this game last year, probably in June. The first people I played with were some old friends of mine, a married couple, and then brother of them. They got me into this game. They're great people. I still play with them sometimes, but they've kind of moved on from PUBG. And... The first day that I got this game, we, I played with them and like they had been having like mixed success. And the day that we like all joined up together and we've done a lot of gaming together before, um, we got three chicken dinners. Whoa. The first day I played this Damn, game. dude. And like we only played like six games or something. It was crazy. You must have thought this game was easy. I did. <laughs> I did. I think that's what got me hooked. I was just like, yeah, I don't I don't see what you guys are talking about. And they yeah. were all they were all like, This it is it doesn't usually go this way. Like yeah. we don't usually win this much. <laughs> so that was kind of like the golden age for me when like a lot of other people were new to it and I was kind of skating by on, I don't know, beginner's luck and maybe the the combined like experience of the rest of my team. But yeah, it was fun. The the particular game that I remember is the first time I saw an airdrop. I got to loot it because I was kind of the new guy and I got an arm and I was like, oh, is that good? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's like the most powerful gun in the game and got a nice like 8x on it and another team came up over a hill next to us and we just annihilated them. <laughs> I like, I took, I got two hits with the, um, and then another squad, like we cleared them out. Then another squad came into the Valley and this is like end game. Now we're, I land a couple on um shots on them. It was perfect. And then a vehicle cruised by us and my buddy took it out with an M249. It was just like, this is classic PUBG. Mm, like we had great yeah. drop weapons. We were squatted up. We were just like mowing people down. <laughs> oh, you it was the games awesome. Like that. Yeah, yeah, and we we did. I think we did win that game. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first solo dinner? Hmm. No. I don't think I do. Wow. Yeah. That's like my first solo dinner. I think I may never forget that game. Like, and I think for me. Okay, I I got a number of squad dinners before I got my solo dinner, but for me, they almost didn't count. Hmm. Like, I think it's still this way for me where the gold standard of this game is the solo dinner. Hmm. Like, just, there's so many games where, like, I've won squad games where I felt like I was various degrees of the success of the squad. Like there's been a few games where I felt like I've carried the squad. There's been a lot of games where I feel like it was kind of 50-50. There've been a lot of games where I feel like the squad's carried me. But I feel like in a solo game, like you have to earn every single kill. Yes. And you don't, you know, you can't get knocked seven times in a solo game. Or every game. single scene in which you just survive and get yeah. away. Right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So for me, that's really the, the gold standard of this game. Mm-hmm. So my first solo game, and it took me a long time to win my first solo game, especially since I'd been out of shooters. I hadn't played competitive shooters for like five years. Mm-hmm. when i came into PUBG, so it was a it was really brutal like i had to get my aim back i had to i had to just learn everything and i never played like a i hadn't played a modern shooter either you know so the whole concept of adsing was new to me mm-hmm. uh so anyway 
All this to say that I, I really felt like I had to earn my first solo dinner. And I remember it really distinctly. I dropped at Novo. And I think for me, what characterized this game was that I did, I won this game the way I recommend people get better at the game and play the game, which is to come up with a series of best practices and then execute them mm -hmm. with the assumption that when you do the right thing enough of the time, you'll win. Yeah. Right. So this game, I think I just, I did a good job of like, I dropped in Novo. I got in a really scrappy fight with someone with a Tommy gun and was lucky to take them down. It was one of those like, oh my God, I can't believe I won that <laughs> yeah. kind of fights because I, I sucked. I mean, I still am not that great with iron sights uh -huh. and I really sucked with the Tommy gun. Um, and then like I, I went up on the hill and I heard someone fighting with an AK and I managed to take that person out. I kept like upgrading my guns. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I posted up in a tower and another guy drove by and I gunned him down and I took his, his scar. Mm -hmm. And then there was this critical moment in the game where I almost died because the circle was moving in towards the military base. And I ran by the tower on the hill and I realized that I was going to have to climb down the cliff. Like the oh, only way for me dude. to get down was I had to jump down the cliff no. and I almost died again. So you, from, you actually did jump? Yes. <laughs> I, I had to actually jump my way down the cliff and I See, almost died. See, that's what died. I love about this game. Exactly, is that, like, dude. It kind of like unfolds like an action movie. You're like, yeah. oh man, I guess I just have to jump off the cliff and like... <laughs> I know, man. It, it was a it was a cliffhanger, literally. Oh, yeah. And then right before I got to the bottom, I saw someone prone behind a tree metting, and I just like one shotted them in the head with a car ninety eight. Nice. Took that shit. And then the final circle, it was right next to that little base at the foot of that hill, mm -hmm. and I just I rotated around the circle like around the edge of the circle, just doing my due diligence. I saw the other player a little bit before they saw me and I took him out with my scar. So for me, it, it was such a triumph because it, I didn't feel lucky. I mean, there were a few moments I felt lucky. Like when I survived the cliff, I felt lucky. Mm -hmm. But like, I felt like I earned every one of those kills mm -hmm. and like, and I won my gunfights and I like positioned myself smartly and I rotated smartly. And it was just like, it really felt like a culmination of a lot of different skills that I've been developing yeah. in the game. Okay. So. So anyway, yeah, I was really proud of that one. I, I have won lucky chicken dinners in solo for sure. Mm -hmm. I've also won really cowardly chicken dinners. I, I had a game where I just like hid and bush camped the whole game and killed two people in one and I hated it. <laughs> like I finished the game and I felt like. I felt oh. gross. Like I wanted to take a shower <laughs> oh, afterwards. No. And I was like, never again, dude. Oh, like it just, no. it was such a hollow victory. That's funny, man. Yeah. Cause like I've, I don't, I've spent very little time bush camping. Yeah. But it's still like in my play deck is like, I could do that someday if it made sense. Yeah. Like I think of it as this thing I could pull out of my back pocket. But, mm -hmm. um, I mostly I'm intrigued by doing it with squads because I feel like the, the challenge of doing it as a squad is, is high enough that it would actually be fun. Yeah. I agree. But doing it alone just feels kind of lame. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally.
All right. Well, thanks for that question, Snuggy. That was that was a great question. MTB Trigger asks, "What, if anything, would you guys like to see changed for the guns that get very little use outside of the early game? Winchester and Tommy gun come to mind, and arguably the Uzi." Uh, MTB Trigger asked a lot of questions, so let's just take these one by one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, Robin. What? What do you think? Um, I mean, every time I think about these guns, I'm like, oh, I wish I used them more. But then yeah. <laughs> I'll equip one and I'll come across a, a really, like, reliable weapon like the M4 or something that I can put a sight on. Right? Like, that's just something that, by the way, all of these guns have in common. Yes. Is that they only have iron sights. Right. Which, for the Uzi, if you're at close range, it doesn't really matter. For the Tommy gun, it has enough power that you could actually use it at medium range, except that it's iron sights and it's really hard to track your target when you're dealing with your recoil. Um, pretty much the same for the Uzi. And granted, like, by the way, they've improved the iron sights on those two weapons in they the have. last, like, three yeah. or four months. So, and then the Winchester, I fucking love using that thing. It's just, I, I still, I feel like I'm likely to be outgamed when I have it. But I had it in early game the other day. I got three kills with it before nice, I got an AR. Dude. <laughs> that thing That's is awesome. a beast. It's so good. It is such a beast. Mm-hmm. And I almost want, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do, them to do with it. Because I don't really want them to be able to add some kind of scope to it. Mm. But I also want, I want them to add something to it that makes it feel more viable. Um it, it has occurred to me that you could be able to add maybe even just one type of scope. And yeah, like just a red dot. Yeah, or maybe maybe it would be maybe an ACOG, but the ACOG would have a different look, like a different reticle. Yeah, okay. Like maybe just a solid black line from the bottom mm-hmm. that comes up to a point, which is kind of a classic scope mm-hmm. style. Something kind of old school that would make it... Because I would definitely use that gun oh, it would be if so i could cool. magnify it but yeah. it's actually like i've said this before but the car 98 and the winchester they both have good iron sights and there's something that's really intuitive to me about leading people with iron sights that i feel like i'm always guessing when i'm scoped in but with iron sights i'm pretty certain when i fire if it's gonna hit or not hmm. it's weird yeah that's cool mm-hmm. well I, I totally agree with you. I think the lack of scopes is what kills these weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I do like that they have early early game weapons in this game. Although it does become kind of a drag after a while, like always having to switch out your Tommy gun and always, you know. Mm-hmm. Or like the fact that some weapons are just pretty much better than the Winchester in every way. Pretty much. <laughs> you know? it's I just... wonder what the damage per second is compared to, say, bolt actions. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's, it, it's a powerful little rifle. It, it hits hard. Yeah, the Winchester really does hit hard. So I think that's it. Like, if yeah, some kind of scope for the Winchester would be amazing. I would definitely use it more. I don't know. I think the Tommy gun and the Uzi, I like the way they are. Mm. Now, one one thing that I would like to see is I would like for them to continue to improve the shotguns. Uh, I actually feel like the two kind of old school shotguns are kind of okay as they are. Like, because yeah. what, what are you going to do to those without making them like 
weird and unrealistic, you know? Yeah. But I think that the S12K, I would like for that to be a better weapon. The S12K? Yeah. I would like to feel like if I pick this weapon up, it's just going to dominate like any close encounter. Mm -hmm. And I don't currently feel that way about it. Like, Mm, yeah. Like think about, think about how many times you've been in a situation where you're in a close encounter you you nail your first shot with the S12 and someone's spray has killed you before your second yeah. one hits. I, I think that the, the S12K, and this is something I've learned from watching streamers, is a spam weapon. Yes, definitely. Which is not something I I realized when I first started using it. I, st- I was trying to use it like basically a double barrel or pump where I would, yeah. I would take a shot and then reline up and take another shot. I was really careful with my shots. Just clear the whole clip. As fast as you can. That's what this gun's for. Right. And so, I think when I use it that way, it's actually more useful than I thought. Um, I used to hate this gun. I used to rank this gun at the bottom of the whole game. Like, I would rather have a pistol than the S12K (laughs) before. Yeah, it would be pretty terrible. Now that I'm, like, more into the spammy element of it, I actually, I trust, I feel pretty good going into a house with it. Um, not a warehouse. I wouldn't go into a warehouse with it with like an open floor plan and like long lines of sight, but something with kind of tighter hallways and rooms, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, this weapon still bothers me because I just, I want it to drop people quicker than it does. Yeah. I think that's what really gets me about it. The, the spread, the pellet spread gets me about it. Yeah. I wish it had a more focused shot area. Uh, I think it would be a lot better. I I mean, I think just making it like an auto one-shot kill would obviously be OP, but I think that there are just various ways they could improve this gun. Because think about if I were breaching a house in real life, mm-hmm. I feel like a weapon like this would be like like a godlike weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, I just feel like there's no better weapon for a house breach right. than a Saiga 12, you yeah. know? Yeah. But in this game, it doesn't feel that way. Like I would it feels, still, it does feel soft. Yeah. I yeah. would still rather have like a vector or even just a scar, just like some full auto weapon. Right. I just feel like I'm more likely to get the job done. And right, I don't right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to loop back. W- one thing I'm going to say about the S12K is, one thing that might get make it a more interesting weapon is if you could pick up slug rounds because oh, yeah. it actually has crazy. attachments that makes it feel like you should be able to use it at range. Yes. Right? That, that would be cool. So good. And you could maybe toggle the firing mode to switch between them. Yeah. Really easy improvement. Really fun. I you love should that do that. Idea. And yeah, I love that idea. I want to loop back to the Winchester and just note that the Winchester is more powerful than every single DMR in the game. Yeah, that's true. It's 66 damage, and then the highest DMR damage is from a crate weapon, the MK14 EBR, which does 61. Five less damage. And then yeah. the best world pickup is the SLR at 58. And so it's eight damage points above that. Like that, the Winchester is damaging, man. It this is. thing is powerful. Yeah, and if you can land a headshot, like they're it, done. Yeah, it's amazing for yeah, them. They so, are done. It's a great gun for sure. Don't underestimate it. Yep. 
And it's also, you know, one of the sweet things about the Winchester is because it doesn't have a scope on it. Like if you land one of those 200 meter shots uh, with it, you just, it's like the best feeling in the game. Yeah. So like, that's why if, if, if custom games still worked, I would be doing 45 round games a lot yeah. where people had to use just 45 round. I'd probably exclude the vector actually. Yeah, so you could do Winchester okay. and Tom, Winchester and Tommy gun sounds so fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and even the revolver is, is good. Yeah, the R45. That's yeah. a great gun. It's a really cool gun. Mm -hmm. Wow. Cool. All right. A well, long episode. <laughs> we learned a lot from that. <laughs> Let's move on to his next question. Uh, do you think the loot density on Sandhawk should be applied to the other maps? I've wondered this. I've found myself missing it when I've switched back to the other maps. But then the more I get into the flow of the other maps, I think it would be too much. Mm -hmm. I think I would like to see the loot bumped a little bit. Like it is disappointing mm. on either of these maps when you can like drop at a whole little settlement and not get a single rifle, right? Oh man. Or get like a single anything good. Yeah. Right? It feels pretty bad. It does. It does. It does. I'm definitely used to getting like going into a building that might have two stories and finding a weapon. And on these, on Aaron Cullen Miramar, I'll get through two or three buildings sometimes and not have a single weapon no yet. No weapons, dude. It's <laughs> awful. It's so, like, think about the times you've dropped in Pachinki and looted four houses and not yeah. found a weapon and just died. Yeah. That and that's, and that's why nobody will have a perfect record at, at this game ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I know. It's brutal. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know. At the same time, that is sort of the nature of RNG and they're bigger maps. Like it, it actually does make sense that they would have higher loot spawns on a smaller map because the the density of people is higher. So yeah. you need to find weapons more quickly and ev everyone needs to have a higher chance earlier, right? Of finding good stuff so that there's kind of an even playing table. Because otherwise, it's just you land at a settlement, one person's going to find a gun and kill everybody. So it makes sense that they'd have to increase the, the loot tables there in Sandhawk. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I actually think it's pretty good right now. Um, I do miss when I go to the bigger maps, I, I do think it feels kind of slow. But that's just those, that's, there's no way to undo that. No, adding more loot's not going to change that. Um, yeah. It won't necessarily change that, mm -hmm. but I would like to see them bump it a little bit. I, I wouldn't say dramatically, mm -hmm. but I would, I don't know. I, I, or at least things like I'd like to see more rifles. I'd like to see more good scopes. Something mm -hmm. I've... I don't know if you've noticed this lately, but I've found it a lot harder to find red dots and holographics than, than I used to. Is that, have you noticed that at all? Actually, now that you mention it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they've taken down the instant, instant, sorry, I can't speak, the incidents of those. Yeah. And that kind of bothers me. I don't like that change. Uh, maybe it's just because I don't like iron sights. Mm -hmm. I'm not good with them. Right. But no, and, and the closer range sights are really useful. They are. Right. Like if I was going to have any sight, like it just, I couldn't have any, I could only choose one sight for the whole game. It would probably be a red dot. A red dot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. So it's a bitch when you're running around and you can't fire, especially if you have a squad 
and like two of you don't have them and you just have to deal with that that's that's tough yeah yeah all right let's do this next question if you could pick one style or outfit to bring to PUBG cosmetics what would it be <laughs> Oh, He's man. really cashing in on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting his money's worth. Oh, hipster? I don't know. <laughs> Is there hipster outfits yet? I don't think there are. Like, I wear so, a lot of plaid, personally. Okay. I, I In the winter, I wear turtlenecks sometimes. Oh, the Steve Jobs outfit would be good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Blue jeans and a turtleneck with round mm, glasses. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think they have white t-shirts. They have white tank tops. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, sometimes I'm a white t-shirt and jeans kind of a guy. Oh, okay. Check this out. Million dollar PUBG idea. Tattoos. Right? Okay. That'd be amazing. Okay. Okay. So, you get like a skin and it's like an actual skin. It's like your skin and it's a tattoo. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like it. Why not? Especially for your arms because that's what's not going to be covered up by armor. Yeah. And like, think about it. Like, you could put on some gnarly face tat. You know, that would be like the more rare oh, items. Now you're talking. Yeah, yeah. that would be Gnarly dope. Tats. She reminded yeah. me of like Far Cry 3 or something. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Another outfit, uh, the Michelin Man. It's <laughs> <Just> like the <laughs> whole the whole body. That'd be amazing. Now you're talking. Yeah. I mean, that other game that we don't talk about. Yeah. I don't know if you are aware of what kind of outfits they have, but... They're pretty outlandish. They're like, there's like furry costumes Whoa. and like, I don't yeah. even know what. There's a lot it's of like cool Burning shit. Burning Man. Like, yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> that game is the Burning Man of, of Battle Royale. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that sounds really fun. <laughs> that would be, dude, that's, that's a Battle Royale right there. BR Burning Man. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's Love so it. brutal. Love it. There'd oh. be all these crazy sculptures and stuff. Wow. And you'd ride bicycles around the desert. Wow. Yep. Nuts. Awesome. Okay. Finally. So, yeah. Next, last question from MTB Trigger is, uh, if you could play one squad game filled with any other three people in history, dead or alive, who would it be? Wow. He said, it's a game you get to the top 10, you don't hot drop with history. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the... So part of me is tempted to just use this as an excuse to hang out with like, you know, random historical people. Right. Like Abe Lincoln. Yeah. But clearly Abe Lincoln would just be like, what is this weird? <laughs> well, first of all, he'd sound like Sean Connery. What is this weird modern magic you're doing here? Right. You know, he'd be a pretty terrible squad mate. <laughs> so. You have to, th I mean, he was a, you know, a statesman. Yeah. So. Like, my, my mind first went to, well, like, first of all, video games are kind of a modern phenomenon, and even people who are concurrent with us or, or contemporary, they, a lot of people don't play games. So, I was just like, who would be down to, like, play games with me? I was, like, taking this question really literally, but then I'm starting to loosen up a little bit with it now, and I think it would be really fun to play with military strategists or, mm, okay. like, like, Napoleon would be really fun to play <laughs> oh with. boy okay yeah i mean he was a nice strategist like he controlled battlefields but he was brilliant at it so i'd be curious to see what he would say about tactics right and how a small unit of people should move around 
an unknown battlefield or, or at least a known map, but unknown where others are and how he would process that situation would be really fascinating to me. Um, I guess who the art of war guy, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Oh, yeah. snap. Dude. You're just going for the, the full Monty here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then like Machiavelli would be a third. There or you go. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. The mastermind crew, mm-hmm. the evil geniuses. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, Macaulay Culkin pops into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Just think about that. We clearly have different approaches and responses. All right, yeah. Let, let's go with okay. Just this would be a great squad. We got Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. We got Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Will mm-hmm. Smith. That'd okay. Be great. What, I don't know. Was that the argument for Will Smith? <laughs> Just, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> it would be brilliant, you know. And the the thing about Will Smith is he'd he probably would be, be full fucking, of one liners. He would. That. He would, but he'd probably be fucking good at Dude, it. Dude, that's too. what your squad is all about. Macaulay Culkin, too. He'd be like, <laughs> he'd be the cute kid with the cute kid one liners, and Will Smith would be like the cool guy with the one liners. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But then finally, uh, surprise. Let me guess. Ball. Let me guess. Okay. Um, um, who's that funny guy in Seinfeld, the weird one? Oh, Kramer. Kramer. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> That's not who I was going to choose, oh. but um, that would be great. Okay. Any other guesses? Not Larry David either. Uh, David Sedaris. Oh, play- <laughs> playing PUBG <laughs> with Larry David would be fucking amazing. <laughs> Larry David? Yeah, he's... Um, uh, he's He had his own show. What is it? A Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 but but my final squad mate would be Mel Gibson. Oh, my God. Just because, I mean, come on, Macaulay Culkin, Will Smith, and Dude, Mel Gibson. That would have to be. If you're going to throw Mel Gibson in there, then I, I would do Mel Gibson, um, John Cena, and Nicolas Cage. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is a good one. <laughs> yep, just take that faces clean off, man. <laughs> That, that squad, actually, I would kick myself out and add Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. All right. Next question. Mercenary616 asks, do you guys have any funny nicknames for places on any of the maps? I'll give my terrible juvenile nickname, Aaron Gall, just above Sasnavka Island, better known as ball sack so <laughs> he actually sent a map with this and on the so there's the main island in erangal and then there's a military island and at the southern like south central part of the main island facing the military island there's this rather scrotum like feature <laughs> now that i look at it i never it's noticed that scrotal. yeah it's very scrotal yeah it's kind of like right between the two bridges which yep. are like the legs of the main Arangal Island. Mm-hmm. So it's basically where the scrotum would actually dangle. It's like, you know, that it's not named. So here's the deal is I heard the story once where this journalist was, was covering a mnemonics um, competition. Mnemonics is like, mem- it was a memory competition. And people would memorize like ex- absurdly long sequences of like cards or numbers 
that were like given to them and everyone had like three minutes to study them and then they would have to recite as much as they could. And the way that people remembered things was they would associate each part of the sequence with something super memorable, which in their case, they would usually go for something really grotesque or violent or sexual or pornographic. And so having a feature called, um, what was it? Balsack? <laughs> Perfect. Is actually smarter than it sounds. There you go. Mm-hmm. So do you have any funny nicknames? I, I think it's just like short, short naming stuff. Like instead of, I can't, I don't even know the full name. Whatever, we call it Novo. Yeah. Novo Rack or something. <laughs> I don't know. No, Novo Rinchki. Rackinish, something Novosco. like that. Novosco. Novosco Ricky. <laughs> it's Novo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's Novo. And do you even know what the Southern Island is called? Don't look at the map. I'm I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> but the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the funny thing about this game. It's like a lot of people don't even know what the Southern Island is called. So, I, I don't have, like, a crazy number of these. The one that jumps into my mind is Wacky Jackies. It's not so much a location as a building name. Right. So, you know, this is the name for the god, the god building on Miramar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, you know, people, people have come up with some pretty crazy names for the sunken city, the water town, like Venice, or, you know... Uh, for a while after the, the flooding in Texas, Houston? Max is calling it Houston, <laughs> which I'm sorry. That's, that's in really poor taste, um, but there it is. Okay. And yeah, I don't know. I'm sure people have come up with all kinds of racist shit on Sandhawk um, and actually on Miramar too. It's like two, two places that lend themselves very well to mm. racial stereotyping. Hmm. Hmm. But I, I won't go there mm-hmm. in the interests of our listeners and yeah. just good taste yeah. in general. All right. Next, we've got questions from Daniel or Dwight. And his first, he has four questions. His first one is, what happens to the guys that only appeared in the first episode? Felt like they left without saying goodbye. That's a good question. Yeah. Those seditious bastards. So, back then, we had two other hosts. We had four hosts. Was it the first one? Actually, we had five, because Tim was there, too. At the big... Oh, he was. Tim was was in the first episode. Whoa, crazy. All right. I have to make sure I have my history right. I remember the early episodes, basically what happened was... You know, basically Arjuna, this was Arjuna's brainchild. And Arjuna is like, hey, like me and Arjuna had chatted about it. And then finally Arjuna was just like, hey, why don't we just do that? And like he spearheaded like putting all of this stuff together and basically told us what to do in terms of like recording and how how it would all work. And we all like agreed at that point. And I think that it seemed a little bit more official or something to, it, once that happened. And it kind of Alex and Liz who joined us for the, the first episode or two, we're looking for something more casual. And I think that like they, they have very busy lives too. And so I think that this just felt like a lot to continue to um, as a commitment. It, they suddenly realized like, Oh, wait a minute, if we're going to do this every week, like this is kind of a big deal. And, 
we don't know if we can keep doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, I think they just wanted to like game instead. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I can't blame them. Nope. Mm-hmm. I want a game right now. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like watching the clock. Like, okay, what you, are we gonna play? You probably want a game right now, listening to this. <laughs> Hopefully, you're gaming while listening to this. Yeah. We're working. <laughs> yeah, bush camping and listening to our podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get the impression that exactly, I think the way you outlined it is what yeah. happened. And then Tim, I, what, why did Tim drop off? I, I think he was never really that interested to begin with. Yeah. I think he just kind of sat in on the first one because he was there. Yeah. You know, just like, like the hipster he is. Yeah. <laughs> he was there before it was cool. So, yeah, but I do remember there was a really sad thing that happened where we got Alex back on the show and recorded this really epically long and pretty good yeah. episode about cheating. Yeah. And then the problem was that the particular technology I was using to loop him into the call fucked up and basically we lost that entire episode. Mm -hmm. So then Robin and I had to re-record it. Yeah, that was and really I, sad. I wonder if that was kind of the nail in the coffin for Alex. You know, he's kind of like, ah, fuck this one. Yeah. I'm keep doing this. Yeah. However, I think it would be really amazing if the two of them started a podcast about Rainbow Six. I agree. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Is that something that I know that you've talked to them about it? I have talked to them about it because I, I know they would do a better, a much better job at it than I would. And they, I've seen some people suggest in the Discord that I like branch off because I play R6 more and like do, an, do a show on that. But I just, I don't play it enough to feel like I could really offer good enough information. It would be a show yeah. where I like interview people who know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, that game is pretty intense it, it, and there's a lot more detail like here we can break down the different weapons and the metas involved with that but the meta involved with they have around 40 different characters or what they call operators right now it's just it's a it's a tall order to know all of those operators and then all of the different interactions between them um, which is something I'd want to have a really good grapple on. I mean, I have a pretty good working knowledge of it, but no, people are better off watching the YouTube channels and things on it right now than listening to me try to blabber my way through that. Yeah. So it is an amazing opportunity though. Like just think about how much content could be created around that. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, it, it, in some ways, like we, there's a limit to how much we can cover with PUBG if, if they don't produce content quickly. Right. Yeah. And I think R6 is already outpacing them in terms of their updates and what they're adding to the game because they're coming out with new operators. I guess no, maybe not. It's not super fast, but they're coming out with operators once a season. They're somewhere around 40 operators and they want to get to 100 before like they call the game done. Damn. Isn't that that is nuts. Yeah. This game has already been out for 3 years. Yeah. And that's, like, that's how dedicated they are to this game. That's it, kind of unprecedented. It's, a, I can't it's think, amazing to me. Yeah. I can't think of another game that has that many classes. Mm hmm. Maybe it exists. I just, yeah, don't know about and it. And it's different. Like, I, I wouldn't even call it a class. Sure. Like, in Battlefield, we have classes. And I think in, in, like, Call of Duty, we had classes. But it just, like, the whole operator concept is kind of new. And maybe not new. I think Halo had something that was kind of similar, but. It's well, the, the, the direction they're I taking mean, it in is definitely a new thing. Yeah, I mean, like mm -hmm. Overwatch kind of has true. a similar thing true, going true. on. But yep. you're right. The way it's implemented in R6 is unique. Yeah. For sure. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next question. Which one of the maps currently in PUBG is the best one according to you and why? I like this question. Go for it. I'll give you, you know, a first at this. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to say it's Erangel. Oh. And it's it's not my favorite and it's it's the OG, which makes it kind of a vanilla answer. Mm-hmm. But I've been thinking about this a lot. This is a really good map, guys. There's so many. I, I think what I like about Erangel is the variety. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, Erangel has all of these different spots that all feel really unique. So, like, the military base is just a fucking amazing mm-hmm. big playground to fight in novo the containers feel so different right mm-hmm. like the georgia pole containers and the novo containers it's, it's a really unique experience um there's like these big plains full of hay bales there's also these mountains the the water actually feels pretty relevant you can bridge camp which is a relevant tactic uh, these, I mean, I'm just skimming the surface of what you can do on Erangel. You know, dropping school is like a fun little mini game. Mm-hmm. These are all, there's, there's stuff like this that happens on the other maps, but it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't feel as good. So I'm going to say Erangel just on variety. I think it's a really well-developed map. And I think mm-hmm. that if I hadn't spent like 500 plus hours playing it, I would... I would still like actively gravitate towards it. Yeah. It's a beautiful map. It yeah. definitely is. Um, I think they did a really good job with it. And like you just brought up Novo earlier. And ever since then, I've been like, oh, I miss Novo. I want to go there. <laughs> and the Millie Island in general, just the, the military base That's is great. So Milta, the power plant. Like there's just so much good stuff. Yeah. Um, I've been a huge fan of Sandhawk lately. Because of the pacing, I feel like it's a it's kind of a proving ground and it's a place to get better at the gunplay aspect of the game while not always having as much control over the positioning element of the game. Um, which mm. by which I mean that people can out have a lot more opportunities to outposition you um, because you're around more people. So it's just it's a lot easier to get flanked and surprised. Whereas in these bigger maps, you can kind of stay low, wait to hear noises, and either go toward or avoid them without worrying about flanks a whole lot. Um, so it just, it's very different. But I, I like the fast pace, and I like the kind of, like, increased unknown element. Definitely more losses there for me, but I like it. I, I, I think they did a good job. I wish they would introduce a little more variety in terms of the village buildings. Yes. Right? That's my that. main complaint about it now um but that said i still i like the small map size the quicker circle pace the high loot and the higher density of everything on on sandhawk so it's it's my favorite i agree like they did a really good job of making sandhawk just a different PUBG experience mm-hmm. and i think they did it like it's different but it's still PUBG, which i think is a pretty amazing achievement so I totally agree. I think it's a really successful map. I think it changes the style of play just enough to make it a really unique experience. So I have my issues with Sandhawk, which I've talked about before, but I like the smaller map size. I hope they make more maps this size. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they continue to to play with that form factor because mm-hmm. it's a good one. All right. 
What are your best tips to people that maybe have played for 400 to 500 plus hours and still want to improve? How do you guys challenge yourselves? This is a really good question. Yeah. Um, well, one way is with challenges. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, giving yourself a restricted loadout is the easiest way to do this, which we've, we've tried to implement that with the podcast a little by giving you guys different challenges to try. I think that's a really easy way to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to grab really crappy weapons. Like a classic one would be the pistol loadout, but that's like really hard, right? And so maybe a good one would be instead to use one of the weapons we mentioned above. Um, so like do an AR, sure, but also use a, have as a secondary either a Tommy gun and Uzi or a Winchester and try, challenge yourself to use that as much as you can. Yeah. Because I'm finding that those weapons are, in certain situations, the best gun. It's just they're much more niche. So... Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. Like, the Tommy gun, remember, this thing can hold 50 rounds with an extended mag. So, if you're up against a squad, that might be your best shot um, at close range. That's true. Like, if you're playing solo versus squads... And you're oh, breaching yeah. a house or holding a house. Like a double Tommy gun in that case. Yeah. Like. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it, it really could be, you know, maybe apart from like an M249, it could be your best weapon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally agreed. That's great advice. I think, and and Robin, I think this kind of will help you as well with this other thing I'm going to talk about, which is when you've played that much of this game, I would expect you to have a decent idea of your strengths and weaknesses in this mm. game. And I think that actually just picking some of your weakest areas and playing games where you really work on those mm-hmm. is really key. So, for example, something that I've really noticed lately that I want to work on, and actually I'm, I'm going to make an effort to do this, follow, take my own medicine, is I've been holding my peaks too long and I've been getting headshot. And it's something that consistently has been happening to Don't me. Don't do it. And yep. it's I've been really getting frustrated, like, mm. oh, man, I, I fucking got car 98 again, right? Yep. And it's just because I'm in that mindset that Robin talks about, which is like, I want to kill him now. I want to land my second shot, not just my first shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I don't want to lose sight of the person. They're almost dead. All of these thought processes, right? That I'm, I'm weak to. I'm susceptible to them. And as a result, I keep holding peaks too long and dying. Yeah. So just identifying a hole like that in your game and then like firing up for the evening and being like, tonight it's going to be quick peaks. I'm just going to like pop in and pop out, pop in and pop out. Mm -hmm. And you do it like too much, you know? I think that's the way you form a new habit is to do something too much. Yeah. And then you kind of overcompensate and then you get more used to it and then you start to work it in properly. Okay. So, here's like some really, a really general thing that I'm going to point out and it's not going to be specific advice, but general might be better in this case because we're talking to a lot of different people who play the game very differently. But I think what you're hitting on with the strengths and weaknesses is, like, perfect. And so, really, I think that a good way to identify that, because you might not know. Like, we don't always know what those strengths and weaknesses are. And a good way to start finding out, and this is something we've been doing in the tactic sessions, is at the end of them, 
will spend just a minute or so. Like I, I, I won't ready up after a game is over. I'll just like spend two or three minutes asking everybody like what, you know, what went well in that game? What could have gone better? Um, unless we got a chicken dinner. And, and, and even in that case, it's like, what did we do awesomely that game that went, that made us win? Um, cause you need, we need that time to process and to think instead of getting into the next game, throwing apples around and looting. Cause that's what our mind's going to do. We're not going to process. And so we really do need time to do that. And, and I'm going to do a, a show on aim where I'm going to get into more detail on some of this stuff. But the, the one thing I will say now is that you should analyze your mistakes and analyze your failures and see if you can find patterns. And once you find a pattern, then you know what you need to improve. So, yeah, this seems like a good place to plug your why did I die sheet. Exactly. You know, yep. you can you can use this resource that Robin made, but even if you don't use it, just asking yourself that question is a is a great question. Right. Why right. did I die? So we have a, a Google form. It's just an online form that we do through Google Forms. And the title of it is Why Did I Die? And it's a series of questions that helps us understand why we died in a certain game. And it's fun because I'm collecting data from people. And it's also fun because you can add your name to the form and you can look at the results and filter just for your name and see all the reasons that you've died if you use the form. So this is an easy way. If you want to do some data tracking on yourself, you can use it for that. Um, yeah, I recommend it. We'll put it in the show notes for this show, the link to that. And I recommend using it. I'm, I'll probably start using it again. I haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah. But that's a show waiting to happen right there. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. All right. Good stuff. Next la and final question from Daniel is what is your favorite vehicle in PUBG? Three seat of bike. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I guess the Murado. Mm, Murado is pretty sexy. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I don't really like particularly think any of them are awesome. The bike no. is fun because yeah. you can do jumps. Yeah. But none of them are like, like even like the Murado, I wanted to be able to fishtail. Like I want to be able to accelerate where you can like accelerate a little too much and lose control. Yeah. Like, or like drift, like, but there's just, I, I don't care about cars is the, <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if I'm playing solo, it's got to be the buggy. It's just, it's a good combination of fast, reliable. It can take some shots. Mm. But if if you've got someone on the back of it, then it's a pretty terrible vehicle because they just go down so quickly. Right. It can also conceal you really yeah. well if you lay if you park it and lay down between the two wheels on one side. Yeah, I've, I've seen people just like get through whole games doing this. It's absurd. Yeah, or you know, you could do that classic cheese move of flipping your buggy and staying in. Yes, it, you know, <laughs> yes. better in third person, but. <laughs> It is so fun to watch. Yeah. And and to do. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, Daniel, for those questions. Yep. Uh next we got all five horizons. Mm-hmm. And he's on Xbox. Oh no, his his question is about Xbox. He says, on Xbox, which of these two would you choose? Ump versus Vector, Scar versus M416. Yep. Okay. So Old between the ump and vector. Basic question here. Yeah. Um hmm. well. I'll say on PC these days, I've definitely been preferring the Vector. Mm -hmm. 
But I think on Xbox, I would tend to go with the ump. And the reason for that is just that I'm not as confident as my aim on the Xbox, and I feel like I would blow my load less quickly using the ump. Yeah. So that that would be my choice. Right. I think that's a good call, actually, for the yeah. Xbox. I think if you're confident in your aim, the vector just owns the ump, like no questions asked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you can get on target and stay on target, go with the ump, with, with the vector. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Scar versus M416, this is like the perennial question. And this one, I I think this one really just comes down to preference. Um, especially since I don't know, I actually don't know the current state of the game, like as far as how patched the Scar and the M416 are these days. I'm going to assume that they are close to the way that they are on the PC these days. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then the Scar's actually been inching up lately against the M4. The M4 has gotten a series of pretty substantial nerfs. Mm-hmm. So, but again, it's it's kind of like, what do you want to use them for? Right. This I will say I used the Scar recently, and it was more stable than I remembered it being. Yeah, they improved it. Yep. So, the Scar, I'm actually, when I get the opportunity, I'm going to be using the Scar more. I mean, it's it's really hard to answer this quickly because ump versus vector really depends on what your other weapon is. Yeah, um, that's to, true to me. So I would use a vector if my other weapon was an AR, unless I was on Sandhawk. Then I would do vector and DMR because vectors are usually like viable in, in most situations and in, in close and medium range. There. Yeah. And then the ump. If I was on Miramar, I'd want the ump. And an AR, right? Yeah. Um, well, or you know, or a sniper. Yeah, because the ump is base. It's really similar to an AR. It's just a little less powerful, but a lot more stable. Yeah, and also less damage at range. So yeah, it's su- substantially worse at range. Right is the thing. Yeah, I yeah. just don't. I don't see a good place for the ump. It's a great weapon, but. <laughs> It's not like a particular niche like the yeah. others. It's like a really versatile, low-powered AR is what it feels like to me. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather just have an AR. Yeah. So the Vector has, like, if I'm going into a house and I have an AR and then the ump is equipped as my secondary, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just keep the AR out because it's pretty much the same. Right. Um, it's a little, sh- it's shorter, of course, than an AR, so you're not going to get weapon tuck and it's a little more stable, but you don't need that stability at close range. Yeah, you bring it up quicker, which is nice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But definitely, I would say Vector is kind of a clear winner for me in this case. Do you, do you think on the Xbox though? If you have another gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. I think that's the main thing to watch out for between these two weapons is just like if you are the kind of person who typically blows your load and doesn't kill them with the Vector then either, you know, get better at it or, or steer towards the ump. Uh, that, that's just, that's the trick. That's the trick with the vector. Can you kill him in one fell swoop? And if you can't, don't use it. The So, yeah, I don't know. Scar versus M4. These days, I'm still leaning towards the M4. Maybe it's just my conditioning. I just still feel like it's one of the most balanced weapons. It kind of seems mm. to do everything. It does range well. It yeah. does up close well. Has Here's really- one plug, is the best player on the Chinese team, team at PGI used the SCAR. Mm, okay, well, yep. there you go. Yep. Yep, yep. 
And yeah, that's, I would love to pick the brains of someone like that, you know, or just the people who've played like 5,000 hours of this game. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like there are subtleties to these weapons that you just don't pick up unless you've played that long. Yeah. I and agree. I think, you know, to, to people like that, or even people like, you know, Shroud or any of these big streamers like Wacky Jackie, they're really going to feel the difference with these weapons because they've just played so much. They've done so much analysis. There's, there's a feel to each one of them. And I just think that unless you play this game for eight hours a day, you're not, you're really going to know that. So growth area for our podcast. Let's get, get some of those people on here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that concludes our epic. This is that was so long. This, this is our longest episodes. yet <laughs> episode of the Winner Winner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for submitting all your questions. It's just like I had so much fun answering these. Yeah, questions. I'm really glad we got a lot. Yeah, me too. You guys are awesome. And we did we answer all of them? Did you pull all of the questions here? Yes. Or? Yes. This, That's great. This was it. Cool. Mm-hmm. So. um yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing in general, which is that I've been thinking about the show lately, and Robin and I have been discussing the future of the show lately, and you know, we'll definitely tell you guys more about what we come up with. But I was just thinking to myself that so much of what I love about this show comes from the community. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the unexpected... It's my unexpected favorite thing about this show is when we originally designed this, the idea of this show, I was like, oh man, I want to run a podcast. I want to deliver strategy content. It's going to be so satisfying, you know, and, and of course, you know, I wanted people to get value from it, but I, I just didn't quite envision what it was actually going to look like to have a discord full of people who would become my friends Mm -hmm. and like, Mm -hmm. you know, humorous, like off topic meme discussions and hardware discussions. And, you know, you, I've, I've gotten to learn about people's work lives and their family lives and, you know, gotten to meet a few people's partners. And it's just kind of like, there's so much of this show has been co-created by you, the Mm -hmm. people listening. And I just, as time goes on, I only appreciate that more. And I really, I look forward to getting in the Discord and I look forward to, you know, getting people on the show. And I'm just, I'm feeling really grateful. So you guys are amazing. Nice. I agree. This was, it was unexpected, actually, the the community aspect of it, for sure. And it's kind of half of it right now. Like my PUBG life is like half podcast um, half discord community around it and yeah. I'm, I'm grateful as well. So yeah, as we, as we think about the future, we're definitely thinking about, uh, you guys and how to kind of like build, build more meaningful connections between the podcast and the listeners. So keep yourselves posted. Yeah. And I just wanted to say as an extension of that, if you're somebody who wants to get more involved with this podcast, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. If you have ideas know. for how to make this podcast better and there are things that you could actually do, reach out to us. Absolutely. Because, you know, so many of the cool things that we do or have done have been suggestions from, from our listeners. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, I, I really encourage you to do that. You can, you, you know, you can always email us. You can find us in the Discord and send us personal messages. And, you know, like we, we now have tournaments coming up, which I'm actually, uh, I, I should announce this because this is really exciting. Um, we, we have skills and thrills and Sokola are arranging a tournament. Um, and it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's this has been a long time coming. So thank you guys for your patience. And we we've had a few false starts around this because, you know, it turns out running a tournament is difficult and it takes work and coordination. So um, so yeah. So Soko and Skills and Thrills are running this tournament, and the best way to get involved is to actually go to our. Um, why can't I find it? It's it's our tournament subheading in our discord and it's under custom games mm -hmm. and they made an announcement about it and basically it's going to be on august 26th so this month in about 10 days and it's going to start at 3 p.m eastern standard time so that's noon pacific time and then of course you know different times all Wait, around what date i miss this so okay so this is on august 26th Oof, which okay. is a sunday oh right yep so this is our first official winner winner tournament and we're really excited about it and so yeah if you want to sign up for this then send a direct message to socola mm -hmm. or just come to the tournament's channel and inquire more about it yeah you know so, that that's awesome news for anyone else out there who wants to join, just get prepared to get smashed by my <laughs> squad, whatever my squad is, bring it on. But um, anyway, I, that reminds me of this other thing where um, there's this thing called Face It. I'm not familiar with it at all, but I signed up for it because apparently they're coordinating with PUBG and it's some kind of tournament creation platform and also a rank tracking platform. Um, so I think this is PUBG's way of kind of outsourcing um, their, their ranking interface. PUBG will give their stats to face it and then you can see your rank there and you can also either start or join tournaments on face it. You can sign up for a beta, a private beta with PUBG through this and if you should just check out face it and there should be some kind of link to PUBG there, which is how I did it. That seems exciting. I know the face it already does tournaments for Overwatch and CSGO and other games. So it seemed like a big deal, but honestly, I've never heard, I haven't heard anyone else talk about it and I've never heard of it before, except for through my news feed. So I'm not sure if this is a thing or not. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. We are, we're moving in the competitive direction. I'm excited about that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us again. And we, you can get involved by joining our Discord, of course. That's amazing. And you can always reach us using uh, winnerpodcast.gmail.com, email address. We also have an Xbox club and a mobile clan. So, you know, search for the mobile clan is Winner Podcast, all one word. Apparently, Winner Winner was taken. So look that up and join that if you want to play with other mobile players in your area around the world and of course we have a subreddit which is kind of a ghost town these days but you know who knows maybe you'll be the person <laughs> to bring it back 
And yeah, who who did the music for this episode, Robin? That's done by Spiffy Man, who generously is letting us use his music for the show. Yes, last Spiffy Man. Thanks so much, Spiffy Man. And we will catch you guys next week. All right, see you out there, guys. 